Welcome to a brand new season of the KBB Review Podcast. I'm still your host, Andy Davis. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's right, we're heading into the summer with another bumper crop of episodes that we're going to unimaginatively call Season 9. And what a guest to kick it all off with. We're talking to a proper KBB legend, Roger Cooper. As of the end of June, he's finally retired, closing the book on a 53-year career, and this time he says he means it. A dozen years ago, he retired for the first time from Ideal Standard, the company he joined in 1970 and went on to run, of course. But he came back to join the board at Bathroom Brands just a few months later. He is, without doubt, a hugely experienced figure in this sector, and as the market enters yet another period of turmoil, the chance to pick his brains just one more time seems too good an opportunity to miss. So where is the market now? How does it compare to other economic woes he's been through? And he's been through a few. What needs to happen next? And what is the future for the big name bathroom sector? But first, do you want to receive all the latest news, opinion, analysis and features from KBB Review twice a week? Of course you do. You know where it's at. You can subscribe to our newsletter and get it all delivered straight to your inbox. And if you already get it, then why not sign up everyone else in your business and beyond so you can all talk about it at lunch? Simply go to kbbreview.com forward slash subscribe today. And down the line, here is Roger Cooper. Hello, Roger. Good morning, Andy. How are you? I'm very, very well, thank you. Now, first of all, tell everyone where you are. Uh, I'm actually in sunny south of France. There you go. Now, that is a sentence of a man who has officially retired. (laughs) That's true. As I said in our intro, you have officially, properly, actually, properly retired this time, haven't you? I have. Yes, yes. I announced it at our May board meeting that I thought it was the timing was right. So therefore, I retired at the end of June. Well, congratulations to you. Do you congratulate people for retiring? But well done anyway for finally agreeing to do it. And you're closing the book here on a very, very long and very well-respected career. So thank you for just taking a few minutes here. But let's just step back a little bit. Of those 53 years, is there a highlight for you? Is there a bit that you pick out of going, yeah, that's the bit where I really felt I made a difference or you're the proudest of? Is there any one moment? Oh, heck, you do throw me with questions. I think when we put uh, Armitage Shanks and Ideal Stand together, that was probably the biggest challenge because very often when you merge two companies in the same industry, one and one doesn't make two. But we were lucky with the heritage of the two companies. And what was outstanding was the way people came together um, and we built a, a very solid team. Armitage Shanks being very strong in the contract and specialists area and Ideal Standard stronger in the in the retail environment. I think, yeah, if I was proud looking back, it was that we put two companies together and one and one made more than two. And I think that's a, a big challenge in, in my career. And uh, I was felt very good about that. Yeah, managing big brands, literally, in the last job that you've had, is a big theme that runs through all of this. But what I'm very keen to do with you now while we've got you is not so much look backwards, although that's a big part of it, but really to sort of pick your very experienced brains about what's happening here and now today. Because, you know, there's a lot of turmoil going on, there's a lot of uncertainty going on, but, you know, you've been around for 50 years doing this, so nothing is new to you. What is your assessment of the bathroom market here and now, of what's going on in it? Well, I think the numbers tell their own story. If you look back to 2019, um, all of the data shows that in uh, 2020, the pandemic hit, we had a big dip. 2021, there was a fair-sized uh, bounce back. And then in 2022, we had a very good start and it began to 
Peter down. And the interesting thing is I, the biggest number I look at is the moving annual total of all of the industry indices that I get. And we're actually flat to where we were in 2019 in money, in actual value of the market. Now, I reckon there's been price increases of anywhere between 15 and 20% over those years. So if you factor in that the value market is the same as it was in 2019, the very simple message is that the volume of product being moved is obviously down by the percentage jump of the price increases. So 15 to 20% drop in actual volume of product moving. And that's across branded and unbranded and through all industry sources of retailers, merchants, distributors, and a direct DIY, etc. How does this compare then? Move COVID out of the way. We will talk about COVID in a minute, but let's take COVID out because it's such an anomaly. How does this compare to, say, financial crashes of you know two thousand and eight and that kind of thing? You've you've been through a few recessions and crashes. Yeah. How does how does this compare? Well, the Falklands War was the most, the, the one that's the furthest away, but the two thousand and eight crash or two thousand seven stroke eight crash, it feels of that size. And therefore, it's very relevant because it is a big, you know, the recession that's coming and all this talk about a soft landing isn't there. It's going to be similar to that. But I think the issue is that the 2007 and eight crash, the reaction to what happened financially was actually a lowering of rates to all time lowest levels. You know, in 2008, we started at 6% uh, and by 2009, we were down to 0.5%. So the reaction to the crash then was lowering rates to re-stimulate the economy. The crash now is that the economy generally, uh, the UK economy generally, has been too high, leading to employee rates going up and prices rising to a an extent that nobody can afford. And therefore, we've got the opposite. We've got the lifting of rates with 11 interest rate increases over recent months. Which is terrifying for anyone who's got a mortgage. I think it's really interesting what's happening at the moment is this coming together of lots of sort of completely disparate global factors. You know, you obviously had the COVID, then you got the Ukraine thing happening. That's caused massive inflation around the world. There's lots of factors here that are so far out of the control of anybody who runs a business that it must feel quite helpless. Yes, I think that's a fair comment. I, I mean, This recession caused by the pandemic really has been two years coming and in the making. You know, the pandemic came. The government, I think, rightly threw some money at the economy, but they didn't manage that very well. It was just here's lumps of money to try and keep things going. People went on to home working and therefore in their pockets they got more money because they didn't have travel costs and actually home life was, was quite good. But then, of course... We got all the supply chain costs, container costs through 10 times what they were, um, and all of that hit, and that led to price increases, and now we're in a cycle of wage rises and price increases, and the very, very blunt instrument of interest rates is being used to try and deal with that. Far too late in the day 
that money that was thrown at the economy, they needed to start pulling that back through the Bank of England intervening once the markets began to stabilise. Yeah, it's so complicated, isn't it? From a big bathroom company point of view, where do you think the real fear would be? Is it the contract market? Is it the builders? Is it retail? What, what do you think is the, is the real worry? Well, as you and I have talked many times, the bathroom market isn't a single thing. But if you split it into three major sections, you've got the retail market, which is the biggest. You've got house building and you've got the contract market, which covers a host of sub-markets. And of the three... The two that are going to be hit are the retail market and the house build market the most. The contract market is reasonably buoyant and will stay reasonably buoyant, I see, because there is government expenditure on hospitals. There is some expenditure on schools and there are a lot of commercial buildings that are being converted to provide some housing and, of course, some renovations of commercial buildings being forced on people because of the uh, Glenfell Tower requiring fire changes and often that's benefiting with bathroom refits. So of the three markets, the contract market is the strongest. But for your readers, I'm afraid the retail market is going to be the one that's going to be hit over the next two years. And what can the big brand suppliers do to ease that, to help that? What would you be advising suppliers to do? Well, I'm not sat in any boardroom, as you know, that this is now my, all of the comments I'm making today are uh, my individual comments. Uh, And I'm no interest rate expert. Mind you, I don't think Andrew Bailey is either. (laughs) So I think there'll be further interest rate rises because the financial markets think that we were weak. The UK was weak on reacting to all of this and they want to see overkill. Those of you who can live back to the 1980s, when Thatcher came into power, uh, she saw rising prices and she put interest rates up to 16.5%. She wanted to nip the rising the retail price increase uh, into, into the bud quickly, the beginning of her, of her reign in, as prime minister. Um, and since then, we were at 15% when we came out of the ERM in 1992. Um, so... What would I do as a company, um, as a manufacturer or a brand? I would be looking to uh, minimise uh, what we're doing, do what we do all the time and do it better. Um, and I would then look at how we can support our customers with promotions, with any uh, marketing activity, and if necessary, with helping them with price, particularly to win contracts or to win important business to them the price is thing is interesting isn't it because you know prices went up for some very good reasons but you know prices very rarely come down again and as you say shipping container costs went up by a factor of 10 but they seem to have come back down and studied a lot recently by even the little bits i've read about it is there scope for things getting back to normal price wise well i i think it would be a brave a brave company in this industry at this time to be pushing through any further price increases this year. When the market is delicate, when customer confidence is at its lowest and potentially could go lower over the next 12 months, I think we need to support retailers or I think the the manufacturers and brands need to reinforce that support they give to retailers by saying, well, the days of heavy price increases are gone 
we see certainly some price stability and then run promotions and activities to try and you know make it other things possible. Let's talk a bit about big Braston companies in general here. And as I say, you're talking, I'm not going to ask you about anybody specifically, and you're talking in very general terms here. But as we said, they have to manage so many different channels. Do you think that they get it right? Do you think they get the balance right, the priority, the time they take on it? It's a valid question, but it, it, it always looks as whose eyes it, uh, you're looking at it from. I personally believe that the bricks and mortar segment is the most important segment to survive and to prosper, not only because they are an important channel, not only because the consumer wants to go in and touch a piece of brassware or touch a piece of ceramic, but it's our window to the customer. If the customer is only looking um, online and only looking at minimal displays, they won't get fired up with, it won't fire up their imagination as to what their bathroom could look like if they considered a refit. A good retail showroom, preferably on the high street, which they walk past very often, but continues to catch their eye, is the kind of thing that would excite a customer and make them want to go in there and talk about a refitting the bathroom. And throughout my career, I've always felt that supporting bricks and mortar showrooms is vital for the success of all the channels. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? And I totally get why that, you know, big hotel projects or big commercial projects are very sort of shiny things. And, it, and, and you know, if, you, if you can secure it, it's a lot of volume in one go and therefore it's very valuable. And the showrooms tend, obviously, by the nature of them, there's lots and lots and lots of individual businesses you have to deal with separately. But, you know, I think it, it is a balance, isn't it? It's a balance between getting all those things right so that nobody feels like your attention is elsewhere. Yes, absolutely. And the sales force, they're the eyes and ears that communicate between the retailers and, and the head office about the kind of support that these people need, the, the customers need to actually reach their customers. I think that came up very strongly during COVID, didn't it? And I'm wondering, you were Bastion Brands, obviously, at that point. And I'm wondering, obviously, there's a whole team of, of people on the board there. I'm not suggesting it's just you, but how much your years of experience lent itself very well to keeping a calm head in that crisis? Well, I'd, I'd give actually a, a very interesting comment there. I think that the, the uh, Bathroom Brands board meeting um, at the time of the pandemic was probably one of the best board meetings I've ever sat in because we had a 100% agreement to some radical decisions. We knew at the time that some of our distributors and some of our competitors had decided to close down for three months to protect staff. And whereas we understood that, we also understood that people were halfway through having the bathrooms done. People had committed to having the bathrooms done. There was product on its way and in stock in retailers to supply these people. There were plumbers out there who would not get any benefit from the government through the COVID time. And there were retailers who were absolutely scared as to what would happen. And we took two or three key decisions that day. And the, the, the ones that strike out was that we would stay fully open. We would move as many people as we could to home working. And our IT team did a brilliant job in getting us fully operational. Within 48 hours, 72 hours, we had all our customer serving individuals on there. But we also decided that we would pay all of our employees 
95% of their normal pay, whether they were home working or not, except the warehouse and transport people who we would pay a premium to over that period because they were the ones that actually were facing some of the risk. So they could volunteer to come in and be paid at a premium. And the company ticked and did very well at that time. And I give credit to the whole board for being unanimous in supporting those moves at a time when, frankly, others were shutting down. Yeah, and I think that was very important. I think at that time, retailers were looking for support. They were looking around going, what the hell's going on? Please help us. Yeah. Uh, and, and the companies that, that answered that call were the ones that have come out of it with the kind of reputation that clearly is very helpful to them in, in the future. It's interesting you talk about distribution there because I think distribution in, bath, in the bathroom market is one of the things that has changed radically in the last couple of decades. What's your view on the role of distribution now and how it should be going forward? Well, distributors do do a very important role and there will always be a slightly changing population of them uh, and sometimes they get bought by companies who don't know what to do with them. Um, We've seen distributors bought by merchant groups. I mean, Broughton's, for example, um, were a very, very successful distributor many years ago. They got bought by one of the merchant groups who really didn't know what the role was and uh, eventually the company doesn't exist anymore. So those distributors that actually can manage to stay independent, that know their own business and can really feed the market correctly, and they're acting as a vital uh, stocking, supplying link, to get products often within 24 hours of the customer wanting it, and they can get get that product throughout the UK or Ireland promptly to the customer, then those distributors are doing a very important job. And I think there'll always be a place for them. How that place works out depends on how well they do their job and how well manufacturers do their job. That's one of the interesting effects of COVID, I think. Before COVID, the just-in-time kind of model was so prevalent, you know, that it was all about the clockwork of how sort of manufacturing and, and supply worked was heading towards that way, where stock holding stock was becoming less and less important because everything was on a chain. But when COVID happened and there was such a massive shortage, I think almost that trend was reversed because people realised how important it is to actually have a warehouse full of stock. Yeah, I, I, I agree fully with you there. Right, one of the things I want to sort of end here, if I can, Roger, is to talk a little bit about, about the thing that nobody ever wants to talk about because they find it quite boring. But I, I, I think it's incredibly important because I badger on about it all the time. And that's how much sustainability is going to drive this market going forward in the next decade and more. I wonder what your view on it is because sustainability is so much about the carbon p- footprint of stuff. And again, we talk about things going in reverse. It's incredibly cheap to manufacture things in China, but the carbon footprint of those individual products to get it from China to wherever it's going is incredibly high. And I think there'll be some penalties for that in the future. What do you think about the sustainability agenda? And do you think this might see a return of UK manufacturing? Well, two questions in one there. I think, first of all, sustainable in uh, things in manufacturing it, it is the order of the day everybody knows and can see that and the consumer is asking us all the time now uh, what are our credentials in that area and you've got to be very careful not to just greenwash it with talking about whether your air conditioning system works properly so that is important i, I think one of my first comments when all of this began to become so uh, important in the press is that our core products, particularly ceramic and brassware, 
they will go on for a long, long time. Now, they may go out of fashion. There might be a return to colour, uh, etc., as there is in, in fittings at the moment in brassware. But actually, with the appropriate spare parts, the bathroom industry's products will last a lifetime. And you can put a lifetime at probably 50 years. Now, they will go out of fashion in that time, but surely... A sustainable product is a product that isn't disposable and it's, a, it's not a one-use product and throw it away. And that is a very important part for our industry and we should remember that. So, yes, sustainability is high on, on every boardroom's agenda. I question whether or not there would be a return to UK manufacture because, frankly, that would require new investments uh, significantly. It's probably going to happen in brass fittings. Uh, I can see that likely. But given the uh, investment, but also given the people shortages for some of these industries, some other skills have gone now. You would be starting from scratch to start building ceramic factories in the UK. There's one very large factory uh, in the UK, uh, the Armitage Shanks Rusley factory. And after that, they're all tiny little operations. I personally don't see it, but it could, of course, come nearer to home. It doesn't have to be deep sea. It could come nearer to home if uh, in Europe. But remember, wage rates across the world are still uh, very different. And there still is a population in the uh, third world, shall we say, that actually do need to earn a living doing something. And products like ceramics may be quite appropriate to that because they still remain highly labour intensive. I suppose particularly driven by the commercial markets. Like if you're a builder, you have to tick all the boxes for the provenance of the products that you're choosing to specify. And I, I can't help but think that at some point in the future, ticking a box that says where is it made, it's been made in China, and therefore working out the, the footprint of putting it on a boat and bringing it over here might become onerous. This idea of the overall life, the footprint of, of a product will become more and more important and will eventually go into the consumer market. I don't think it's quite there yet for bathrooms for a lot of the reasons you described. But I do think people want to know where things have come from and they want to know what the footprint of them is. And I think you're right. I can't see a massive factory opening up in, you know, in, in Stoke anytime soon. But this is becoming unavoidable, even if you're a retailer who perhaps doesn't buy into it or perhaps doesn't get consumers coming through the door asking for it. Yeah, I, 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 I wouldn't argue with you. I think um, at this moment, the consumer is far more concerned with surviving the next couple of years Yeah, uh, and, and the shape that the UK economy is going to go through. But after that, when we all become prosperous again, uh, we hope, these things may go back higher up the agenda. So if you were still in a boardroom, how far ahead would you be planning right now? Well, I mean, every company should have a what I would call a, an overall five-year strategy plan. Um, and a 18 month to two year business plan. And the, you refresh that on a weekly, daily, monthly basis, depending on how often the senior or the owners of the business want to see. Uh, I've worked in, uh, in a large international company that, you know, you end up going back to look at a new plan because the plan that you submitted last week hasn't yet worked. And sometimes that gets a little bit crazy. But I, I think you have a planning window of where do you see the next five years for the business with a two-year action plan to move towards that. 
And at the moment, it's like you've been asked to forecast, and it's forecast against what? Because the last three or four or five years have been so unpredictable. Yeah. <laughs> what are you comparing it to? Yeah. I think that you're going to say at the moment you're going to basically batten down the hatches and, and work through the next two years, bringing out new products to excite the market, bringing out uh, promotions and activities to try and keep the bathroom on the list for the consumer and, and to support the retailer while they manage their own businesses through this. And then you need a plan. Well, how will we continue to prosper beyond this difficult period? But there's lots of things happening. The bathroom market is changing. Colour has come into brass fittings and into shower enclosures, may come back into ceramics, um, all of which will continue to entice the market and to make them think about replacing their bathroom. Well, look, Roger, that's a fantastic place to end it. And uh, I'm sure there's lots of people listening to this who have worked with you or for you through the years who will send you their good wishes. Thank you for being so kind to me through the years and for being very patient with my questions through the years. Good luck to you in whatever you choose to do and whatever garden you choose to sit in. Great. Thank you, Andy. Total legend, that is Roger Cooper there. And his reading of what's going on at the moment is as sharp as ever. That's it for this week. We'll be back with episode two next week. But don't forget to subscribe to the KBB Review Newsletter, or even better, tell everyone you know to subscribe to the KBB Review Newsletter. Just go to kbbreview.com forward slash subscribe. See you next time. <laughs>